0: You are listening to the Riding NFL DFS Podcast with Pat James. Week five is in the books. The NFL DFS season is almost a third of the way complete. It always seems like we wait forever. The anticipation builds and then the season, which is actually like four months long, just absolutely goes by in the blink of an eye. Uh, Cash Games this week was, I mean, very frustrating because I felt like I had my finger on the pulse of the week and like knew who was going to be the outstanding performers, had a bunch of... Smash plays in the lineup but was hurt in one or two spots which ended up in a true bubble week and what that is is like the cash line for the double ups that I was in fell anywhere between 155 and 172 and my lineup was about 162 I believe so it was one of those where cashed in some didn't cash in the others 52 percent of Head-to-heads were won, Um, and that was because, and I'll get to it in a second, late swap kind of helped me there. I probably should have only won about 40 to 45% of head-to-heads, but I'll I'll tell you, we'll go over it in a second, why I did end up passing some people out in head-to-head where I probably would have lost, definitely would have lost, if I didn't swap. Okay, so here was the lineup. Daniel Jones, Derrick Henry... Alexander Madison, Najee Harris. That was my. That was how I filled out the quarterback and the three running back slots. Really, two running back slots on a flex, but pretty much this week definitely called for a running back flex. Once Madison was the full-time starter, uh, Devontae Adams, Jalen Waddle, and Lavisca Chenault, Ricky Seals Jones, and the Houston Texans defense. So. All week I had the Eagles in, um, but swapped off them because I had the extra money once. Uh, Things happened at 11.30 that switched my lineup around a little bit. Um, So at running back, I thought that Henry was going to be a smash play. He was going to get all the touches. You know, we just don't see studs at the top of the board in week five. Or I should say we didn't see studs at the top of the board in week five. It's no longer like it used to be. Um in the last few years with you know McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, all these top-notch running backs that get 25 touches a game that we could jam in two or three. It's not that's just not happening this year. Um, at least at the top of the board, right? Henry's like the only one, and usually I shied away from Henry in cash because he'd have these massive weeks and then disappear because he'd go 20 for 80. 20 carries 80 yards no touchdowns and you'd be stuck with eight points those are that's still in his range of outcomes for sure but he's mixing a little bit into the passing game although he didn't this week uh and you know there's just not other backs in his price range that are getting the touches that he is right now it looked promising for alvin kamara he didn't get the volume uh that henry did but he got uh he at least got some Production through the air, uh, scored a couple times, ended up being a solid play. But then, I mean, Alexander Madison, I kind of had a feeling that Dalvin Cook was going to be ruled out, you know, bum ankle, not a tough matchup. They were favored by like 10 points. Why risk it? That's what they did. They left him out. Madison, if he wasn't in your cash lineup, reevaluate. And if you are following my core four plays on four for four, I did update at 11.30, put Madison in instead of Jamar Chase. Um, tried, to, tried to find someone who was in the same salary range. I probably should have switched him with LaVisca. I mean, obviously should have fish, switched him with LaVisca, but that wasn't a a clean swap So in terms of salary. Um, <clears throat> so And then I played Najee Harris. I thought Najee Harris had 6,900 against the Broncos, He's, like, in the same boat as as Henry. He's getting all the touches. He's playing all the snaps. He's getting work through the air. I don't know how he wasn't popular. He was, like, 7% owned. Um, he went for, like, 26 DK points, smashed. I think where I went wrong was I got off of Fournette and, and Damian Williams. And the issue in my lineup ended up being that Fournette and Damian Williams weren't that far off from what Najee Harris did, right? So Najee Harris got like 25 or 26 DK points. Leonard Fournette went for 22 or 21. And Damian Harris, I'm not 100% sure. I think he was at 17 or 18. So dropping down almost 2K for only sacrificing 2 or 3 DK points down to Fournette or like 8 points down to uh, Williams it just wasn't enough to need to pay up for Harris. Even though Harris was fine, he was great. Um, you know, I got like 75 touches and 90 DK points out of the three running backs I played. Never will complain about that. But what it did to my lineup was it forced me off of a mid-range wide receiver. And that's what hurt me. Chase was my core four play. He was going to be my mid-range wide receiver. He would have absolutely... Um, been worth it. He put up 30 DK points. So instead of, <clears throat> instead of Devontae, Chase, and Kadarius Tony, I played Devontae, Waddle, and LaVisca. And obviously, Waddle and LaVisca combined for like 12 DK points, whereas Chase and Tony combined for like 60. So, big difference there. So that was, um, you know, a 2v2 or a 3v3 that, didn't work out for me. Ricky Seals-Jones, I really didn't consider anybody else. I knew that you know, McLaurin was the only other competition for targets. Curtis Samuel was banged up. De'Ami Brown is out. Cam Sims is out. Antonio Gibson's banged up. Uh, you know, I knew they were going to throw him out there and throw him the ball, and they did. He should have absolutely smashed. And we'll get to LaVisca and Waddle in a second, but if this was the, the, this was the day of the missed touchdown opportunities for the squad that I rostered, Seals Jones had three end zone targets, uh, and all three of them went through his hands. Uh, I don't know if I would consider them drops. Some of them were a little bit misthrown um, uh inaccurate passes. Two, one, he took a hit and dropped it, and one went through his hands, one was a little bit sailed on him. But still, he ran like 80 routes, I'm sorry, he he played like 80 snaps, ran around on almost every drop back, saw 20% of the targets and three end zone targets for 2.5K, take that every day. Uh, he ended up with nine and change DraftKings points, basically 5 xing. That's fine. Uh, the two spots that really cost me were the Texans' defense uh, instead of the Eagles' defense. I don't even know why I swapped off the Eagles' defense. Literally the only defense I told you guys to play on... <laughs> The rundown was the Eagles. I said, the Eagles are 2100. That's good enough. Just play the Eagles. And when all the Patriots linemen were ruled out, I got cute, put in the Texans, thought they would pressure them. And they were good. They played well. Uh, But the Eagles just turned Sam Darnold Darnold over a ton. And I think they beat them out by about seven DK points. And that's a big difference. But the real crusher was Daniel Jones, uh, and he didn't look good in the first quarter, in the one quarter and a half that he played anyway, but the fact that uh, I only got four points out of Daniel Jones because he left with the concussion was was massive. Um, and he was, you know, quarterback play was kind of spread out throughout the week, Uh he and Trey Lance were kind of the most popular, but I saw some Justin Fields, I saw some Dax, I saw some Kyler's. Getting four out of Jones was just a crusher. Um, if he played the rest of the second quarter and the second half, I'm assuming he would have hit a floor of like 18 DK points or something like that, you know. And I mean, if you tack on 10 or 13 points to my lineup. It clean, it clean sweeps in double-ups. It probably wins 75% of head-to-heads. So, um, you know, that was the difference. It really was. And injuries suck. They happen. I'm sure in the weeks that, uh, you know, I hit 88% of head-to-heads or 100% of head-to-heads, my opponents had injuries. That cost them. So you have to always look at the bo- at both sides of it. I did swap, though. I went through some head-to-heads. And it's tough. You know, you don't have a ton of time. You have to reverse engineer salaries. You have to see, you have to kind of take your best guess at who is being rostered by your opponents. So what I did was I just looked for people that only had one player remaining, right? And at that moment, you know, with like five minutes left in all the games, it's about like 100 PMR because you have like eight players with five minutes left and one player with the whole game left, which is 60. So I was looking for that like around 100 PMR left to see who that one player was. In those lineups, I swapped to Trey Lance. And Trey Lance ended up beating Daniel Jones by about 11 or 12 fantasy points. So if I was within 11 or 12 fantasy points and swapped to Trey Lance, where I thought I was boxed out with Daniel Jones, I won those head-to-heads. Um, there, was, I, there was a few. There was a few that I, I won. It boosted up my head-to-head win rate a few a few percentage points. There was somewhere I swapped to Trey Lance, and I reverse engineered wrong, and the person just left a few hundred dollars on the table, and I actually swapped onto Trey Lance against Trey Lance. Um, so in that case, there was no ground covered. But you have to do it, especially in in that case. Um, but the 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 worst part was that at four o'clock. My team had absolutely smashed. Right, Devontae went for forty. The three running backs combined went for ninety. Um, Waddle and Lavisca didn't do great, but they were fairly highly owned, so it wasn't it wasn't too harmful. Um, Seals Jones did fine for his salary. The Texans defense was whatever. Um, it's not like the Eagles went for like twenty eight, and I was like way behind the eight ball. So I was feeling good. Like as long as Daniel Jones had a respectable. 15, 20-point fantasy day, it was going to be a clean sweep. I was, you know, in in like 11,000-man double-ups, I was in like a thousandth place. Uh, you know, the, the circle was all the way to the right. Never did I think that Daniel Jones would leave the game with an injury and I would basically not accrue any more fantasy points from 4 o'clock and slip out of the money in half my double-ups dropped down from like 80% head-to-heads, 1 to to 50. I'm whining right now. I know, I'm whining. But it's tilting when something like that happens. But you live to play another day. Some of the guys that I was considering that I didn't play, like Tony, Chase, I mean, they were just absolute smash plays. Didn't click the right buttons uh, for a second week in a row. No excuses, but... Um, Did have a really nice, one really nice GPP lineup that I had in a few single entries. Uh, It was a Burrow stack, actually, but it was Burrow, Adams, Chase. I had Antonio Brown. One of the guys I said to be overweight on in tournaments this week was Antonio Brown. I had Antonio Brown, Madison. Um, It was a really nice lineup. That was in like first place in a bunch of GPPs for most of the day until... uh, till the Chargers and Browns got going. And then I I slipped back to like the 20s or whatever in a few, but the the tournament saved me. I ended up with a plus +8% ROI on the day, negative in cash, but the the tournament wins kind of saved my week. Um but we lived to fight another day, still up on the year. Let's talk some Monday night showdown. All right, so Lamar at Captain is just, there's two ways you could play it. You can play Lamar at captain in 100% of your lineups. And, you know, you think to yourself, there's very little chance that it's not Lamar if the Ravens go off, right? He spreads the ball out, right? Like none of these, he doesn't have a a true number one wide receiver that's going to catch 12 for 102 and absolutely blow his score out of the water, right? His number one receiver, Marquise Brown, if he does have a nice game, it's like four for 110-1 and because he catches a long bomb. Maybe Mark Andrews catches two touchdowns. But other than that, he really spreads the ball around and runs around the goal line. So it is very, very probable that Lamar is the captain of a Ravens lineup, of a lineup where a Ravens player is the captain. On the other side of the ball, I think it's possible that either Jonathan Taylor or Michael Pittman get in. Potentially Naheem Hines, if the game script is in his favor and he catches like six, seven, eight checkdowns at his salary. What you would need to happen is you would need like four studs to kind of have good games. Or four four like mid to high price players to have very good games. And, you know, the low dart throw jabronis not to have much of a game at all. So then your optimal lineup is to have Naheem in your captain and have those high-priced players in your flex. Whereas if you have, like, Lamar in your flex, you're going to need a jabroni to hit. And if none of them hit, then it's not going to be the optimal lineup. But the other way you could play it is to be, like, underweight on Lamar. You know, you think, like, he has just a terrible game. Maybe Latavius Murray has two touchdowns. Lamar goes for, like, 13 fantasy points or something like that. And he's not even... At his salary, not even a, a consideration in the optimal lineup because of that. That, I think, is a very unlikely scenario. But if it hits, no one's going to have it. Like, no one's... Lamar is going to be in, like, 95% of lineups tonight, whether it's captain or flex. So I think if you're if you're mass multi-entering, it's not a bad idea to, to reserve maybe, like, 10% of lineups, 20% of lineups, to not have Lamar in it at all. Um, because then you're just, you're, like, surpassing the field. You have, like... Let's say you create like 40 lineups and you leave Lamar out of like six or seven or eight of them. Those six or seven or eight lineups are undoubtedly going to be very, very far to the right. And by that, I mean, you know, in the green when you're looking at the caching lineups. So just something to think about. Um, some, some darts I like. Moali Cox, obviously, is, is, you know, catching some steam this year. Um but I also think that James Proche is interesting. He ended up with five catches last week. And I think he might, you know, they they saw it, they saw something that they liked in him. He might be on the field a little bit more tonight. Um and then I also think that this is going to be somewhat of a slog of a game. Right? The 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 Colts aren't going to want to go toe to toe with the Ravens. They're going to they're going to want to run the ball. The Ravens run the ball. I could see this game kind of being slow, boring, 20-13 to type finish. And if that's the case, the kickers and the defenses are going to come into play a little bit more than usual. I'm going to take that angle as well. That will do it, though. I'll be back on Thursday with the Week 6 Rundown. Good luck in all your Monday night showdown lineups.